Welcome to MD Notified, a pediatrics podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sufchuk, and today we're going to be talking about amoxicillin. My goal today is really to cover everything that you ever wanted to know about amoxicillin. You know, I think this is probably one of the most common antibiotics we use in pediatrics, and parents really love it because it makes their kids feel better. Kids really love it because it tastes like bubble gum, and who doesn't like that? Um, But as far as us as pediatricians, I think we kind of have this love-hate relationship with amoxicillin. At least I do, because I feel like there are so many different ways to dose it, once a day, twice a day, three times a day, and a lot of different options in terms of dosage levels. So I think especially when you're an intern or you're just starting out, it can be a little confusing kind of thinking about in what scenarios would you use what dosing and why. So that's really my main goal as far as what we're going to cover in this episode. So let's start out by talking about what amoxicillin is and how it works. Amoxicillin, as we all know, is a penicillin antibiotic. And what that means is that it's basically a penicillin with an extra amino group added on top. It blocks what we call penicillin binding proteins, which are these little proteins that are in the bacteria cell wall. And basically the amoxicillin will attach to that penicillin binding protein and then it inhibits cell wall synthesis. So we basically melt the cell wall and take away that structural integrity of the bacterium and that causes it to lice and die. So this is a bactericidal antibiotic. Amoxicillin treats a whole bunch of different organisms. Um, Pretty much when I think about treating amoxicillin, I'm thinking that I'm targeting strep species. Um, So like group A strep, um, strep pneumo, those types of things. That's like the main thing that I'm thinking about. But we do also use amoxicillin for other bugs, things like E. coli, Haemophilus influenza, actinomyces, clostridium, salmonella, shigella, carinibacteria, and of course, moraxella. Those are all things that amoxicillin can treat. Notably, amoxicillin is not great for MRSA coverage or gram-negative coverage. So it, it's a fairly narrow antibiotic, um, but it still covers a lot of the stuff that we see in pediatrics, which, to be honest, is a lot of strep. So it's a really useful tool to have in pediatrics. When you're thinking about those bugs that we talked about, um, the strep species, um, Haemophilus influenza, Moraxella, you're kind of thinking to yourself, like, where do those live? And we're really thinking mostly like in the ENT area, the respiratory tract, some of the bugs um, that we use amoxicillin for, like the E. coli, will live in the GU area. So um, that just kind of sets you up to sort of think about in what scenarios would I use amoxicillin. The next piece of information we want to know about amoxicillin, aside from how it works and what bugs it treats, is how it is metabolized, right? So when you ingest amoxicillin, um, your serum levels of amoxicillin will rise. That takes, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, and then it kind of slowly goes away and amoxicillin is completely out of your system by eight hours after administration. So that's important to know because if you think about um, dosing amoxicillin three times a day, you would say, let's say at 8 a.m., you give a dose, the level rises, and then by eight hours later, your second dose, that first dose is completely out of your system, and then you start kind of from scratch 
you know, rising over a period of time and then dropping. And then again, eight hours later, you're back to a serum level of zero. And that would be when you give your next administration. So it's important to kind of remember that amoxicillin stays in your system for a total of eight hours. Um, and that means that when we dose it twice a day instead of three times a day, you do have periods of time where you have no amoxicillin in your system. Let's say you give a dose at 8 a.m. and your next dose isn't until 8 p.m. Well, your dose of amoxicillin that you gave at 8 a.m. is completely out of that child's system by eight hours later, which is 4 p.m. And then they have four hours of no antibiotic in their system before the 8 p.m. dose. Now, the reason this matters is because you have to have a certain level of amoxicillin in your bloodstream in order to kill bacteria. And so you can imagine if you dose this amoxicillin twice a day, as opposed to three times a day, you're hitting that critical level in your serum less than you would if you were dosing three times a day. And so that's kind of where the difference lies between BID dosing and TID dosing. Now I wanna take a second to talk about dosing per kilo. Sometimes we dose amoxicillin in 45 mg per kg per day, and sometimes we dose amoxicillin in 90 mg per kg per day. How are we supposed to know which one to do and in what situation? Now, I apologize for this, but this is where we're gonna go into a little bit of a microbiology rabbit hole and talk about strep pneumo. So we already talked about how the way amoxicillin works is it binds to the penicillin binding protein, which is involved in cell wall synthesis. And the fact that it binds decreases the integrity of the cell wall, and then the bacteria basically lyses and it dies. Strep pneumo, over the course of years, developed this resistance to amoxicillin and the way that it's resistant is kind of interesting. And it is that for strep pneumo, some strains have developed a slightly different shape to the penicillin binding protein itself. And in that way, it has um, developed some resistance to regular dosing of amoxicillin. Now, that just means that amoxicillin has a little bit less affinity for this weirdly shaped penicillin binding protein However, that decrease in affinity is overcome by a higher dose. So what I will say about dosing for amoxicillin is this. If you are worried about streptococcus pneumonia as the underlying cause of your child's pathology, it would be a good idea to dose them at 90 mg per kg per day. So I think it would be helpful at uh, this time to kind of discuss a case. Um, let's just say we have a three-year-old. They are coming into the pediatrician's office with ear pain. Um, they've had a fever for two days. They had a cold last week. You're, even before you look at the ear, you're like, oh, yeah, this is probably going to be infected. It's a perfect story. Sure enough, you get your otoscope. You look in the ear, the tympanic membrane is bulging, it's erythematous, you see pus, it's a big pus donut, and you're like, this kid has acutotitis media. At that point, as a good clinician, you're thinking to yourself, what are the bacteria that I am treating that are most likely to be living in that pus inside this kid's 
tympanic membrane? And the answer to that is one, strep pneumo, two, H flu or Haemophilus influenza, and three, Moraxella. And when you're thinking about those three antibiotics, you're like, oh, perfect. Amoxicillin is a great antibiotic choice for all three of those. So I'm going to do that. And I know that strep pneumo has this funny-shaped penicillin-binding protein, so we're going to go ahead and order the higher dose, 90 mg per kg per day. Let's say you see that same kid in clinic, and it's, you know, maybe four days later. They've been compliant on their amoxicillin, but their ear is just not getting better. In fact, they've, they continue to spike fevers, the ear uh, on exam you know, tympanic membrane is still bulging and everything like that. And really this kid has truly failed high dose amoxicillin therapy. At that point, I would consider broadening your coverage to augmentin, which is amoxicillin and clavulanic acid, because the addition of the clavulanic acid helps you overcome beta-lactamase producers. And by that, I mean out of our top three bugs that cause acute otitis media, uh, Moraxella and Haemophilus influenza both have the capacity to, in certain strains, be beta-lactamase producers. And so because of that reason, you would think about broadening your coverage to amoxicillin and clavulanic acid. So I think that, I hope that example kind of goes through you know, what your thought process would be for kids who are coming in with acute otitis media, why you would treat with high dose amoxicillin at first because you think strep pneumo is higher in your differential. And then when kids fail acute otitis media, first line therapy with amoxicillin, kind of what your reasoning is for actually adding in that clavulanic acid, like what extra antimicrobial properties are you looking for with that um, change in management. Okay, so we talked about acute otitis media and how we use high-dose amoxicillin um, in the treatment of acute otitis media. I should also mention that um, in acute otitis media, we dose the amoxicillin BID or twice a day. I think the studies have just been done that way. Um, and if you had like a really sick kid, for whatever reason, you could divide it TID. Um, but traditionally, we do it twice a day. And I think that's just easier for families at home. And it seems like the research has shown that a 10-day course on twice-daily therapy is enough for most kids to recover really nicely. Some of the other pathologies that we commonly use amoxicillin for are community-acquired pneumonia. And um, as we know, strep pneumo is a huge cause of community-acquired pneumonia. You know, since kids have been getting vaccinated for strep pneumo, um, it has become a relatively smaller chunk, um, but it is still one of the biggest and definitely the one of the baddest bacteria that we think about as causing a community-acquired pneumonia. Um, and so because we're thinking of strep pneumo, you would, again, use your 90 mg per kg per day dosing. Um, and in pneumonia, it's a little bit more serious of an illness, and so um, we do dose that three times a day, or TID. Another common use for amoxicillin in a pediatrician's office is for strep pharyngitis. And of course, you know, the bacteria is in the name, it's strep, and in this case, we're talking about 
group A strep or strep pyogenes um, as the underlying cause of strep pharyngitis. I wanted to talk about strep pharyngitis briefly because it, the dosing for amoxicillin is a little different than most other dosing that you'll find for amoxicillin. And what I mean by that is um, over the course of years and years of research, as we've been looking into strep pharyngitis and how we treat strep pharyngitis, it's actually kind of funny because it's been shown that once daily dosing for amoxicillin is sufficient to treat strep pharyngitis. Um, this is really the only case that you'll see that, at least to my knowledge. Most of the other diseases that we are treating, like pneumonia, acute otitis media, mastoiditis, sinusitis, UTI, things like that, you'll be dosing the amoxicillin multiple times a day. But um, they have done enough research onto group A strep pharyngitis to um, prove that once daily dosing is sufficient. Now, I will say some people will dose it BID or twice a day, and of course that works just fine. Really, at this point, we're just talking about what is easier for the family. Um, and again, I kind of want to drive home the point that if you are dosing amoxicillin for group A strep pharyngitis, um, your microorganism is in the name. It's group A strep. It's not strep pneumo. And so in that instance, you can just use regular old 45 mg per kg per day dosing. Now, I won't go into every single reason why you use amoxicillin. Um, I think that would just be kind of very overwhelming and kind of a waste of time. But I think those are three big instances, pneumonia, acute otitis media, and group A strep pharyngitis that we most commonly use amoxicillin. Um, so I hope that kind of sheds a little bit of light on those situations. I did kind of want to delve into um, side effects with amoxicillin. We will counsel families that amoxicillin, like any other antibiotic, can cause antibiotic-associated diarrhea. It's always helpful to kind of warn parents about this before you give an antibiotic because they have a little bit more foresight with that anticipatory guidance, and it doesn't freak them out as much when it happens. So definitely something good to mention. Also, a lot of kids with amoxicillin will develop a rash while they are being treated with amoxicillin. And this is just like a pediatrician's nightmare, right? Because so many kids get rashes with amoxicillin and very, very few of them really have a rash because of the amoxicillin. And what I mean by that is most kids who get a rash on amoxicillin got the rash from whatever viral illness they probably also have going on rather than from the drug itself. So if this is a transient rash that comes and goes, it's maculopapular blanching, and the kid looks otherwise well, um, and has a good story for a virus, I would just reassure the parents that type of rash is not, and I repeat, is not a anaphylactic allergic reaction to amoxicillin. And yes, they can by all means get amoxicillin for their next otitis media, and they will be just fine. Another group of kids that often gets a rash when they get amoxicillin is kids with EBV. And um, we do see this sometimes in the teenage population. Let's say you have like a 15-year-old who comes in, he's got fatigue, he's got sore throat, his throat looks erythematous. He gets, let's say even if he gets a swab and it shows strep throat, but they didn't test for 
EBV or they didn't do a mono test or, you know, whatever the case may be, he winds up with a prescription for amoxicillin for group A strep pharyngitis, and then he develops a rash. You could kind of think back and be like, maybe that kid actually had EBV. You know, maybe he had mono. And this is sort of a type 4 hypersensitivity reaction. Um, So that is a good board question and something that we do see in practice. So I just wanted to mention it for that reason. Um, And then finally, we do see kids who have either amoxicillin anaphylaxis, although with anaphylaxis, remember, you need to have um, more than two organ systems involved, so like GI, respiratory, skin, swelling, urticaria, looking sick, that kind of thing. And then finally, we do have kids who get drug rash from amoxicillin. But like I said, if you took a group of 100 kids who had rash from amoxicillin, very, very few of them would actually have drug rash or anaphylaxis. The vast, vast majority of those kids is just going to have some kind of mild maculopapular viral exanthem that just happens to coincide with the time course that they were on amoxicillin. And so that is this week's episode on amoxicillin dosing. I hope it was helpful. Um, I will post my quick notes version of this episode, as well as all of the resources that I used to put it together on mdnotified.com. Thank you guys for listening. This is Christine Sufchuk and this is MD Notified. Thanks for listening to MD Notified, a pediatric podcast. References to the information sourced in this episode can be found in the quick notes outline, which is available on mdnotified.com. The contributors to MD Notified have no financial disclosures or conflicts of interest. The views, information, or opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals in today's episode and do not represent any other organizations or its employees. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. This podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice or services. If you are a member of the general public and have questions, please make an appointment with your local board-certified pediatrician.